Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as this program originates live at uh, midday in New Orleans, it is uh, blacker outside than it, it's May 1st. Happy May Day, everybody. It's blacker outside than it is. It, the sky is darker outside than it is mid-December in London. It is blacker than an agent's heart. I, I didn't originate that, but I'm borrowing it for the occasion because it fits. If it fits, you must sit and listen to the rest of the broadcast. You may hear, as a matter of fact, this being a thoroughly soundproofed room, some uh, ambient sounds of thunder coming through the uh, soundproofing during this broadcast. It is not a drummer rehearsing rim shots in the next room, I assure you of that. And now to um, what's going on. By the way, thanks to all my guests uh, for the um, what I thought were some really... Uh, Interesting April conversations on the broadcast. Back to regular programming now, at least until June, until I read some more books. Five of six, ladies and gentlemen, five of six, that would be almost all, of the Air Force F-35 fighter jets. That's the new one. That's the expensive one. What is it, $400 billion? Who's counting? I got that on me. We're unable to take off. Aside from that, you know, if you want to rent office space with a lot of computers, they were unable to take off during a recent exercise due to software bugs. They continue to hamstring the world's most expensive warplane. This is reported by Fortune, which is making a living. This, during a mock deployment at, at an Air Force base in Idaho, just one of the... Oh, sorry, they're not 400 million. They're just 100 million. I really do got... No. Uh planes was able to boot its software successfully and get itself airborne during an exercise designed to test its readiness. That would seem to indicate it failed the readiness test since it couldn't take off. This, uh, according to Flight Global, nevertheless, the Air Force does plan to declare the F-35 combat ready later this year. You don't need them to take off to... uh, being comp. Details surrounding the failed exercise were disclosed in uh, written testimony presented to Congress by the Pentagon's chief weapons tester. There is such a job. J. Michael Gilmore has it. You could apply, apparently, given how well they're doing at it. Quote, the Air Force attempted two alert launch procedures during the Mountain Home deployment. That is to say, Mountain Home is the uh, name of the place where they were trying to uh, do the, the the would-be deployment. It is a putative deployment since it didn't. they didn't deploy. Um, multiple F-35A aircraft, says the chief weapons tester, were pre-flighted, another only in the military verb, and prepared for a rapid launch. But only one of the six aircraft was able to complete the alert launch successfully taking off. Problems during startup that required system or aircraft shutdowns and restarts. I want you to go ahead and restart your aircraft. A symptom of immature systems and software, writes Gilmore, prevented the other alert launches from being completed. Immature systems and software. Aside from that, ladies and gentlemen, let's fly. Now you know about the uh, situation in Flint, Michigan with the water. I think I've mentioned this on the program before, but it is it does bear repeating because I think I haven't heard about this anyplace else. 
we know from much reporting that the state-appointed czar who was running Flint, uh, the state of Michigan had uh, appointed emergency directors to take over the operations of several cities, Detroit among them, but Flint, Flint was there. He not only decided to switch water sources from the Detroit River mm-mm, to the Flint River, but at the same time, he decided to stop adding anti-corrosion chemicals, which they had been doing, to the water. Now, this was egregious because the Flint uh, River water was more polluted, hence more had more tendency to corrode the lead pipes that uh, Flint boasted at the time, as do many American cities, probably the one I'm sitting in right now. And that was reported. But what didn't get quite pointed out is that since, as I just said, a lot of American cities have legacy water piping systems, a lot of them probably have lead in them. Probably a lot of cities are adding anti-corrosion chemicals. When you drink tap water, they can't filter them out because they're put in precisely to travel from the plant to your home. That's where the pipes might leach lead into the water. So the only place you could filter it is at the tap. Are they selling taps, uh, filter, tap filters that, or that filter out anti-corrosion chemicals? Do we know? Somebody could find out. Meanwhile, we learned this week, thanks to The Guardian, what are they doing over here? That um, a Michigan environmental official suggested that a technician who's collecting samples for his private suburban Detroit water system, quote, bump out a test result that found very high levels of lead by testing more homes. This was in a 2008 email that The Guardian saw. Doing so, he said, could avert a lead public notice which would alert residents to dangerously high levels in the water. Oh, my gosh, I've never heard of more black and white. I've never heard it more black and white, said a Virginia Tech professor and lead expert who helped uncover the Flint crisis. It just shows, he says, that this culture of corruption and unethical, uncaring behavior predated Flint by at least six years. It was the Chateau du Lac condominium. That doesn't sound like where poor people live. So um, we're spreading the love all over the place, apparently. And now, time to follow the dollar. This is a a head-scratcher, if ever there was one. The company that has produced one of the biggest hit television shows in recent American history is going bankrupt. And they're now run by Donald Trump. Core Media, production company behind American Idol and So You Think You Can Dance, has filed at least 48 pleadings for bankruptcy protection in Manhattan Bankruptcy Court, trying to shield itself from at least $500 million in unpaid debt. Listed in each filing is the creator of both shows, British TV mogul Simon Fuller. Yeah, it's bankruptcy. I'm using the laws. Despite its long-running success, however, the company has recently experienced deterioration in its final performance, that is to say, American Idol, 
primarily attributable to the decline in ratings for American Idol and the corresponding decline in revenues from Idol-related fees, international tape sales for rebroadcasts, touring fees, sponsorship, and Idol's-related merchandise sales. That's according to the president of the company. Fuller is owed $3.5 million, according to the filing, himself. Yes, you can go bankrupt underestimating the intelligence of the American people. Hello, welcome to the show.
from New Orleans, Louisiana, just just near Lake Pontchartrain. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read the trades for you. A little something for everybody who's felt that political satire shows on television aren't quite compromised enough just by having politicians guesting, humanizing themselves on those shows. Yes. More. Different from Advertising Age. I'll read it for you. The good news, NBC's Saturday Night Live is reducing its commercial load, planning to cut about 30% of the ads out of the show next season. It'll do this by removing two commercial breaks per episode, giving viewers more content. Says Linda Yaccarino, real name, chairman advertising sales and client partnerships at NBC. The bad news, Ted H isn't saying this, I am. For advertisers, NBC will also be offering a limited opportunity to partner with Saturday Night Live to create original branded content. These native pods will only occur six times a year, according to Miss Yaccarino. As the decades have gone by, commercial time has grown said Lauren Michaels, creator and executive producer, Saturday Night Live. This will give time back to the show and make it easier to watch the show live. Unquote. There's been a concerted effort on the part of the TV industry to make the viewing experience more consumer-friendly by reducing commercial interruptions and weaving in brand messaging that more closely resembles the content the viewers tuned in to watch. NBC partnered with American Express on Leap Day to give viewers additional content from shows like The Voice and Late Night with Seth Meyers, replacing nearly 18 minutes of commercial time with programming sponsored by Amex. Saturday Night Live initiative is not a one-off stunt or a limited test. This will be weekly and ongoing, Miss Yaccarino said, adding that this makes it different from other such efforts. For Saturday Night Live, which boasts a younger audience, an improved experience is something the audience has come to expect, said Miss Yaccarino. She should know. Her name is Yaccarino. This is a show, she adds, that knows who's, who its audience is and can capture and nurture it, unquote. You got to capture it before you can nurture it. Native pods being posited by Miss Yaccarino. You wouldn't have known that sentence existed had I not read the trades for you. A copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a look at the new Iraq. 
it don't look good. Do you remember Muqtada al-Sadr? It was not a form of the stuff that you would uh, use to put metal objects together. Not solder, solder. Uh, Muqtada al-Sadr was a leader of a, sh- uh, a militia in uh, Iraq. His name first became prominent in the era when, remember the good old days when we invaded, and uh, his militia was um, in some parts of Baghdad, particularly deployed uh, in contravention to, uh, you know, our best intentions for the country. So now here he is some time later, and uh, he's behind the latest protests in which protesters actually stormed into the parliament, bursting into the fortified green zone where the U.S. embassy is located, among other key buildings. Swarms of protesters who've been demanding government reform inside the parliament building, waving flags and chanting. Lawmakers were berated and beaten with flags, not laughing, waving. As they fled the building, demonstrators smashed the windows of politicians' cars. Baghdad Operations Command declared a state of emergency. All roads into the capital are closed. U.S. Embassy official, anonymous, said staff were not being evacuated. Iraq, according to the AP, I believe, is in the grip of a political crisis with Prime Minister al-Abadi attempting to reshuffle his cabinet and meet the demands of the demonstrators who have been spurred on by Muqtada al-Sadr, the powerful Shiite cleric. But Abadi, the prime minister, has been hampered by chaotic parliament sessions where lawmakers have thrown water bottles and punches at one another. Me personally, I'll take the water bottle. This is a new era in the history of Iraq, screamed one demonstrator in the lobby of the parliament building. The political unrest has brought a new level of instability to a country that's facing multiple crises, including the fight against Islamic State and a struggling economy. You're welcome. You are so welcome. Early in the day, not enough lawmakers had turned up in Parliament to officially convene a session in which a body was due to present names for the cabinet reshuffle. Postponed until the afternoon, it was then upset when Sadr held a news conference saying of the country's politicians, quote, they are against reform. They hoped to behead the will of the Iraqi people. Now there's, there's political rhetoric for you. Beheading the people's will. He's taking a thing and another thing, and he's the new Iraq, ladies and gentlemen. They are so welcome. And now, the apologies of the week. No, no known connection. We're so sorry. Two uh, Rupert Murdoch-owned newspapers in London have apologized. The Times says it was a mistake in not having verdicts on the Hillsborough killings. These were multiple dozens of people who died in a uh, soccer match in the late 1980s, and only now has British uh, justice caught up with the fact that uh, the fans were not to blame, as they had been blamed by journalistic accounts at the time. Uh, the Times did not have that verdict on its front page. The newspaper said it fixed the error in the second edition. It was criticized along with The Sun, 
another Rupert Murdoch publication, also left news of the inquest verdicts off the front page. The Sun had published an article titled The Truth Days After the Tragedy in 1989, alleging that fans were to blame. The inquest jury exonerated the fans. The Sun apologized for its coverage in 2004 and again in 2012. This week, it said, we apologize. We do so unreservedly again now. It's almost as good as journalism. A top Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department official forwarded emails with jokes containing derogatory stereotypes of... So those would be derogatories, derogatypes of Muslims, blacks, Latinos, women, and others from his work account during his previous job with the Burbank Police Department, according to city records. Tom Angel, chief of staff to the sheriff, sent the emails a couple years ago when he was number two police official in Burbank. I took my, here's one of them. I took my biology exam last Friday. I was asked to name two things commonly found in cells. Apparently, blacks and Mexicans were not the correct answers. Unquote. Ha, 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 ha. In an interview, Angel told the Los Angeles... They're still in Los Angeles Times? He did not mean to embarrass or demean anyone. Said it was unfortunate that his work emails could be obtained by the public under the state's public records laws. I apologize if I offended anybody, but the intent was not for the public to have seen these jokes. Oh, well, that's the best excuse of all. Dayline Wolfsburg, Germany, the chief executive of Volkswagen, said this week he personally apologized to President Obama for cheating on vehicle emissions tests. Volkswagen is in talks with American authorities about the fines it must pay. That's right. They get to negotiate the fines they pay. Don't you? The company said that it had set aside $7.9 billion for legal costs worldwide, even though in theory it faces fines of $18 billion in the U.S. alone, plus compensation to owners. I used the opportunity to personally apologize to Obama in our two-minute meeting for our behavior, said Matthias Mueller, chief executive of VW. Of course, I also expressed the hope that I will be able to continue to fulfill my responsibility to 600,000 employees and their families as well as suppliers and dealers, unquote. Yeah, don't fine us too much or we'll hurt them. In a public outcry, the community of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, sought two specific actions in response to the April 15th arrests of 10 elementary school students. An investigation and apology, they now have both. I am so saddened and I'm so sorry this incident occurred, said Police Chief Carl Durr, because I truly think it could have been avoided. This is when elementary school kids were handcuffed by the Murfreesboro Police Department. Philadelphia's police commissioner has apologized to a family whose home was mistakenly targeted by a SWAT team searching for several home invasion suspects, said police commissioner Richard Ross. It was a good faith effort. Nobody went out there with the intent of terrorizing a particular household. Really? I think you wanted to terrorize the household of the the perpetrators, didn't you? But it appears, again, preliminarily, we went to the wrong house. And for that, our apology to those homeowners. Big controversy in the UK involving a couple members of the Labour Party, Labour with a U. Uh, Member of Parliament Naz Shaw has been suspended after comments she made about Israel, heavily criticized over her Facebook posts, including one suggesting that Israel should be moved to the United States. Thank you. In a a House of Commons statement, she offered a profound apology for those posts, 
which were made before she was elected to Parliament. She said, Anti-Semitism is racism, full stop. As an MP, I will do everything in my power to build relationships between Muslims, Jews, and people of different faiths, and none. Thank you. Unquote. The head of Austria's anti-immigration far-right movement apologized this week for claiming a newspaper faked a photo of an anti-refugee protest by his party, and he donated $10,000 to a migrant's charity. A close inspection of the matter has now shown that this claim is not accurate. With an expression of my regret, I hereby withdraw it, said the head of the Freedom Party. He was sued by the photographer after he claimed the picture was doctored. The photographer will not receive any money. See, politicians can apologize for getting facts wrong. See, Don? The announcement this week that Ariana Huffington of the Huffington Post had joined the board of Uber triggered an avalanche of concern that she might affect the news coverage of Uber. She vowed to stay out of the coverage, but within 24 hours, the Washington Post reported that a HuffPost staffer had been discouraged from writing about a high-speed police chase involving an Uber driver. HuffPost staff editor Gregory Beyer told the woman to pass on the story, writing in an email, Thanks, let's hold on this one, please, as we're partnering with Uber on our drowsy driving campaign. A HuffPost spokesman characterized the incident as a mistake by the writer. There was no editorial decision that was based on a content marketing partnership, said the spokesperson. A mistake was made by an editor. No, the editor was uh, Beyer. As the apology for Beyer was provided in email. Just wanted to bump this. It's a hi-everyone email. Just wanted to bump this because a few people have asked me about this email. I realized it gave off the wrong impression. Obviously, our partnerships never affect our coverage. I was moving quickly in the moment and sent the wrong message as I read it as I read it in hindsight. For any confusion or concern I caused with my note, I apologize. And another Labour Party leader in Britain apologized this week. Muhammad Butt. I, I read him. I don't write him. Apologized for sharing a Facebook post earlier in April that equivocated the state of Israel with Islamic State. I apologize for sharing this on social media, but told Jewish News, I do not agree with these views. I have championed diversity, tolerance, and respect for all faith com- communities and will continue to do so, said Mohammed Butt. Ladies and gentlemen, Mohammed Butt. And a 94-year-old Auschwitz guard on trial in Germany has broken his silence to apologize wholeheartedly for playing a part in the mass killings at the concentration camp. Speaking out for the first time after 12 days in court, XS guard Reinhold Hanning said, I deeply regret having been part of a criminal organization responsible for the deaths of so many innocent people and destruction of countless families. I'm ashamed that I watched on as injustice was being done and did nothing to stop it. Well, that should fix it. And Kelly Ripa got a personal apology. She's the host, co-host of the Good Morning Show. Not Good Morning America, but the late uh, live show that comes after Good Morning America on many stations. Apologize for the bungled announcement about the departure of her co-host, Michael Strahan. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it is, as I, I say to you so often because it's so not true, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, they're a modern stone age family.
street Throw the water car to see your friends to feed When you're with the friends to have a yabba yabba dabba Flintstones, meet the Flintstones They're a modern stone age family From the town of From New Orleans, this is Le Show. And now, ladies and gentlemen. He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He's at no stoops. He's an inspector general. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This uh, on a report from the uh, Defense Department's inspector general here in the uh, good old U.S. of A. First, the problem. The Congress is a major facilitator of corruption at the Pentagon, pushing for superfluous and wasteful weapons programs, often to the behest of campaign contributors. The Pentagon also uses political engineering, helping to build support for those weapons programs by strategically distributing jobs related to those weapon systems to key congressional districts and states. The solution, Congress passed the 2008 National Defense Authorization Act. It requires the Department of Defense acquisition officials, the guys who buy the stuff, to get an ethics opinion letter from the Pentagon before cashing in on their public service with a defense contracting firm, the so-called revolving door. The defense contractors themselves 
They're also supposed to verify that any new employee who'd worked for the Department of Defense in the two years prior to their employment had such a letter, an ethics opinion letter, don't you know? The Inspector General of the Defense Department claims the rules created by that law are not being followed. Problem not solved. In 2011, the department required all defense organizations to submit those letters and any corresponding documents into an online application called the After Government Employment Advice Repository. When asked by Congress to report back on the number of opinions written by defense ethics officials on the limitations former employees would face in their new jobs, the IG found that department entities were ignoring deadlines and failing to process the documents altogether. But they made a nice dust-gathering device, didn't they? This, by the way, is from government executive. These failures, said the inspector general, led to a system with no audit trail and data that were incomplete and not credible. So bringing more transparency and accountability to defense contracting, job well not done. Without tracking the revolving door between the Pentagon and defense contractors, says governmentexecutive.com, it's much more difficult to bring accountability for any corrupt behavior later. The initial short-circuiting of the regulation has reverberating, reverberating, reverberating consequences all the way down the line. Not a bug, a feature. News of the Inspector General, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now to news of couple um couple developments this week that uh, merit our attention I should think but that's just me the um, president the new president of Afghanistan Ashraf Ghani changed course somewhat um, suddenly this week warning that he's going to lodge a complaint with the UN Security Council if Pakistan refuses to take military action against Taliban leaders operating inside Pakistan to wage an increasingly deadly insurgency across neighboring Afghanistan. Ghani had tried to persuade Pakistan's leadership, especially its powerful military. Well, who doesn't have a powerful military? Andorra, I guess. To bring the insurgent leaders to the negotiating table. But this increase in Taliban violence recently, including an attack last week in the heart of Kabul that killed at least 64 people, persuaded the Afghan president to effectively end the negotiations, which have been a cornerstone effort of his troubled time in office. I want to make it clear we don't expect Pakistan to bring the Taliban to talks, he said. If we do not see a change, despite our hopes and efforts for regional cooperation, we will be forced to turn to the U.N. Security Council and launch serious diplomatic efforts, unquote. Four-party talks, U.S., China, Pakistan, and Afghanistan had pledged, uh, Pakistan had pledged in writing to go after Taliban leaders who refused to join the peace process that is what Ghani said he's asked Pakistan to do, take military action against those who have their centers in Pakistan. Despite the promises from Pakistan to bring Taliban leaders to the talks, peace efforts have gone nowhere. The Taliban were quickly respond during Ghani's address, which was delivered to Parliament. A Taliban spokesman tweeted, quote, The nation is not blind. It realizes who is a slave and who is a hireling. This was above a picture of senior government officials listening to the former commander of NATO forces in Afghanistan. Ghani is 
under enormous pressure because of stagnation on every other front, apparently. The uh, advisor on foreign policy to Pakistan's prime minister said last month, Pakistan has influence over the Taliban, but not control. Quote, we have some influence on them because their leadership is in Pakistan and they get some medical facilities. Their families are here, unquote. So we can, he says, continuing, so we can use those levers to pressurize them to say come to the table. Yeah, that would be some influence. Their families are there, they're there, and their doctors are there. Aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, we can't do anything. Meanwhile, the Pentagon issued, uh, made public a report this week on the um, attack, U.S. attack, on a Doctors Without Borders hospital in Kunduz, Afghanistan. A series of mistakes. There will be some disciplining, disciplinary action. Some rep- letters of reprimand. Ouch! Oh, my wrists. But no prosecutions because nobody intended according to the Pentagon, to attack a hospital. I guess the Pentagon has never heard of manslaughter, but that's another story. The um, the chain of uh, errors included the satellite radio on board the AC-130 aircraft failing. That was the aircraft's sole data link. Without the crew could not upload a database or send and receive any vital emails or information. Then... It took up a position over Kunduz, and insurgents fired a surface-to-air missile at the aircraft, according to the Pentagon report. The threat of more missiles forced the AC-130 to move position miles from the original target. No simple evasive maneuver. It moved slowly. The targeting instruments on the, on the uh, ship are usually calibrated to pinpoint targets at relatively short distances. The need to move miles out to avoid ground fire resulted in the crews being unable to find the target after it returned to its original position. When the crew entered the co- coordinates of the target provided by Afghan forces, the gunship's systems instead directed the aircraft to an empty field. The crew members' only option was to rely on their own eyes. You know, I, how can you blame anybody for any of that? It just seems, you know, it's, it's bad luck all around. That's how it looks from here. How does it look from there? From Afghanistan Public Radio, storytelling worth paying through the nose for. From the abandoned American television truck in downtown Kabul, where McDonald's features unhappy meals. (laughs) I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. We're slick and schluck to take care of business brothers. (laughs) Welcome to another edition of Karzai Talk. Today's program comes to you with the help of Silicon Mountain, Afghanistan's exciting new technology hub. Except during the six months when it snows. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be there no. then. So, my brother, your esteemed successor seems to have given up on our Pakistani neighbors. Mm-hmm. It would appear his Western-trained ways were no more successful than your indigenous Pak Savi. <laughs> well, you know, my younger brother mm-hmm. Savi is actually a Pakistani word, oh. which roughly translates as... 
what's this dagger doing in the middle of my back? <laughs> <laughs> but of course, mm. the Pakistanis are not the only friends of ours who treat us like country bumpkins who don't know which side of the shoe has the laces. <laughs> <laughs> it is the bottom, of course. <laughs> you must be making reference to our American partners. Well, with partners like these, you don't need venture capitalists. <laughs> <laughs> yes, after months of painstaking investigations. No, I think you mean that uh, it was pain reliever taking investigations. <laughs> <laughs> Our American friends have decided that their bombing of a hospital in Kunduz mm. was an unfortunate collection of utterly unavoidable errors for which no one at any level had any responsibility. Well, I know it sounds hard to believe, but uh, yes, yes. that pretty much describes the way I run my Toyota dealership. <laughs> <laughs> it does indeed. Yes. Hello, you're on Cars I Talk. Perez, a long-time military dictator, first-time caller. Well, hello. Do I call you General or Mr. President? Or Mr. Accused Traitor? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, given those options, mm -hmm. uh, just call me Perv. Oh, sorry. That name is taken. Yes, that's what my brother calls me. <laughs> I was... It's not a name, it's just a description. <laughs> well, I just wanted to call to say that uh, your president's attack on my country is uh, totally uncalled for. Mm. Oh, well, you mean the Pakistani intelligence service hasn't been secretly supporting the Afghan Taliban since before they started the blowing up Buddhas? No, I don't mean that. Mm. Well, uh, you don't mean that the Pakistani military hasn't been sheltering Taliban leaders and for a while even Osama bin Laden while telling the Americans they have no better friends in this area? No, I don't mean that either. Well, all due respect, Mr. Perf, what do you mean? Uh, well, I mean an Afghan president challenging the president of Pakistan is like the mouse challenging the elephant. You can do it. But it won't get you too far. You mean because the elephant has nukes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean because he's an elephant. <laughs> he is an elephant. Well, scholar, obviously you know the current president of our country doesn't take much advice from his predecessor, mm. who happens to be the co-host of this program. Uh, the host who has a sidekick brother. <laughs> <laughs> but the current president of our country doesn't take any advice from me. Oh, I know that. I just thought uh, he might take advice from uh, one of your callers. <laughs> well, Mr. Perth, mm. since it's in both our mission statement and our format... Oh, I thought those were the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a question for us? I do indeed. Mm. Do you know where you can get uh, good chicken tikka masala in Dubai? No, but if you want some good Chinese... Just look for the Jewish neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should keep, keep you busy. busy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. Ah, it's so good to know that Mr. Perv found the solution to his back problem. A good surgeon to fuse his discs? No, his connections in the military. They got him back outside Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> hello, you're on Karzai Talk. Uh, hello, this is General Dunford. Long-time general, first-time caller. Oh, general, good to talk to you. Okay. Might you possibly be interested in purchasing a low-mileage previously-owned Tundra? Uh, well, 
sir, thank you for the expression of interest, but uh, we continue to do our procurement uh, the old-fashioned way. See, I told you, mm. to sell to the Army, you have to pay him. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, sir, that mm. all happens at a, a much higher pay grade, <laughs> but um, on a slightly different tack. Yes. I know uh, you fellows were talking about the uh, the Kunduz uh, Hospital uh, Situation. You see, somebody <laughs> listens to HD radio. <laughs> uh, well, sir, I'm actually listening on Sirius Afghan. Okay, our rating just went down by one. <laughs> <laughs> From one. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Sorry for the intrusion of high-quality comedy entertainment. Did you have a question for us? Well, not really, mm. uh, but I did want to uh, clarify what we found as a result of our exhaustive investigation into the Kunduz Hospital uh, incident. Did you find you were exhausted? <laughs> uh, no, sir. My endurance is one of my most sterling qualities, mm. along with my uh, humility. But what we did find was that the plane that was carrying the ordnance to the target uh, was itself shot at, uh, probably by terrorist-type uh, evildoers, mm. and that threw everything off. The plane had to change from its pre-planned trajectory, which, uh, as you could imagine, uh, meant that it uh, had lost uh, situational awareness except for an eyeballing-type process. What do you mean, looking out the window? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, which we have no contingency-type operations to provide for except mm. for emergencies, which this was not un until it was too late. Uh, General, can I ask you a question? Uh, uh, sh yes, sir, although you have to understand I'm not my own spokesman. Understood. This was a combat-type aircraft? It was a bomb-dropping type aircraft, sir. I feel confident in saying that. But it, it, it wasn't designed just to drop bombs in an area where it wouldn't be attacked, was it? <laughs> well, sir, design criteria, that is an area halfway between a slippery slope and a quagmire. It's uh, somewhat beneath my pay grade. General, before we have to make way for the Hindu Kush companion, where Ali's special guests today are the old Pashtun ramblers, <laughs> let me ask you a, a question which I think might hit you directly in your pay grade. Yes, sir. Would your conclusion be that the people who really should be punished for the American attack on a Doctors Without Borders hospital are whoever fired a missile at the American plane and made it go off course? Well, sir, I've heard a lot of back chatter from my colleagues about you in all honesty. Well, he never even finished in the top five in the Mr. Congeniality contest at the American <laughs> Embassy. <laughs> That's what you mean. I, yes, sir. <laughs> but, but I'd say that uh, in this particular case... Uh, uh, you hit the ball right between the eyes. Those would be those eyeballs we heard about earlier. <laughs> I, uh, I guess they would, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for the call. We had help today from the Afghan Women's Congress. Donating in public, meeting in secret. Legal services for cars I talk from the law firm of Ketchum and Newcomb. Join us again next time for still another non-rerun edition of Cars I Talk. This is APR. Afghanistan Public Radio. Summer was sweet and so she spent it in the city. As a bloom, it's like you too. No one ever told her that. Someday, maybe she'd have to give in. Thought you'd take the town and teach you quite a lesson. But soon she's feeling down. It's really quite depressing now. But no one else thinks she was born to win. 
Cause we all walk the line, all walk the line, then we give in. Yes, we all walk the line, all walk the line, then we give in. We give in, we give in. Summer's hot, but she still spends it in the city. Triple jobs for slobs who don't know much of anything. And one day she's had enough, she gives up, she gives in. Meets a man who can because he's got the money. Has some kids and says it's his. She'll get the house when she wants out. She's got the lifestyle now, without the worry. Cause we all want the line, all want the line, then we give in. Yes, we all want the line, all want the line, then we give in. We give in, we give in. Don't go judging now or taking to the high road. Cast a stone, you're on your own. Cause in this dirty world, no one's And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of our friend the Adam. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Safe, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, safe, too safe to meet. Safe, safe, too safe to meet. Addie the Adam uh, was out at Jazz Fest yesterday and is still uh, mud spattered, so I'll uh, carry on by myself. A South Australian cattle station, part owned by the um, state's director of the party in power at the moment, the National Party in Power, and it's next to an indigenous protected area. It's been provisionally selected as the site of Australia's first and only nuclear waste dump. And traditional owners, traditional, uh, that is to say, indigenous, that is to say, aboriginal owners of the land next door, are reportedly outraged. It's uh, near Barnduta, north of Adelaide, and one of six sites nominated for uh, the honor of being a proposed dump last year. Now it's the only site under consideration. Resource manager Josh Frydenberg said the site had been shortlisted following a four-month consultation process. Final decision will be made within a year. Encouraging levels of support were identified across a number of these sites. He said Barnduta displayed a broad level of community support. But the local indigenous community doesn't support the proposal. Traditional owners asked the federal government to reject the nomination, saying the proposed dump site was near significant cultural sites, including a woman's place, Hukina Creek, that is also a registered heritage site. The Traditional Lands Association chief executive says he's totally disgusted by the announcement. This is our land. We've been here forever. We will always be here. And we're totally opposed to this dump. He said there had been minimal consultation with traditional owners, describing the decision as cultural genocide. 
Cultural is a stern word to you, isn't it? Florida Power and Light Company's quest to receive a federal license to build two new nuclear reactors at its Turkey Point power plant uh, in Florida has experienced yet another delay. But good news for the company. Uh, it does want to charge another $22 million in pre-licensing costs to customers next year, a decade before the reactors could even be built. The spokesman said the company is not releasing its new construction schedule. By the end of this year, customers will have paid already $281 million in pre-construction and pre-licensing costs for the proposed reactors. If the additional $22 million is approved, they'll have paid more than $300 million by the end of next year toward financing reactors which have yet to be licensed and might never be built. Clean, cheap, safe, and uh, too cheap not to build, really, when you get right down to it. Or too expensive to build. Depends how you look at it. Our friend, the Atom. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations, over NPR Worldwide throughout Europe, the USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up, up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet, 7.49 megahertz shortwave, 7.490. On the Mighty 104 in Berlin, on Soho Radio in the heart of London, Around the world via the internet at two different locations, live and archive whenever you want at harryshare.com and kcsn.org. Available for your smartphone. It's getting a little too smart, I think, for its own good. At stitcher.com and available as a free podcast, a little free, a little too free for its own good. At Sideshow Network, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, and WWNO.org. And it'd be just like Eddie getting that mud off his neutron if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. A typical show chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and exile and Hawaii desks. 
Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, you still use email? I do. And a playlist of the music heard here on, as well as your opportunity to buy Cars I Talk t-shirts. Think of it. All at harryshare.com. And me, I'm pestering the world on Twitter at theharryshare. The show comes to you from Century Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans' flagship station for the Changes Easy Radio Network. So long from New Orleans.